heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. It is the start of a brand new league here. It's just Matt and I for right now. Phil will be here soon. Big Rat will be here shortly. Hold on for them. But Matt, it's a new league year, man. It's like it's like Christmas morning for football fans. Yeah, it is a new league year. It's a whole new clean slate for a whole bunch of teams out there, including my team, including your team. A whole bunch of new stuff going on. All these signings already breaking. I always love the Monday where the tampering period kind of starts. And you see all the uh, signings just happen. I have very fond memories of just scrolling Twitter constantly every time around <laughs> this year and just trying to keep up with everything and uh, subscribing to Adam Schefter on Twitter to make sure his posts come to my phone. It's, it's, a, it's a crazy time, but I love it. Yeah, exactly. And we also have a, uh, not so much breaking because obviously we're not the ones breaking the trades, but it was announced right before Matt and I hit record that Curtis Samuel will be joining the Washington football team on a three-year deal worth $34.5 million. Uh, I like that deal, especially, too, if he's going to be the star. Not the star, but, like, the featured receiver, I feel like, in uh, in D.C. under Rivera. Yeah, it definitely helps them out because, I mean, they obviously have Terry McLaurin there and just adding Curtis Samuel as a nice second guy there. I think that helps them for sure. Exactly. And at 11 and a half, too, it's not bad either. But you want to see, like, the, what the price tag is because a lot of these signings, have been great, but then you saw like Leonard Williams, for example, where it was like three years for like I want to say like sixty something million, but a bunch of that was for a sign and signing bonus, so that their cap number this year isn't as impacted because obviously the cap number is a lot lower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. It's very interesting to see the, seeing the other teams weave around the cap. I'm used to always seeing my team be the one <laughs> weave and duck around the cap as we had to get up get out from a hundred million this season. Yeah. But it's very funny to see everyone else getting in on the fun too. You did it like every day last week. It was always a new team, new team. And I, I always jokingly tweet around with Danny basically saying like, all oh, the Saints are running like a fucking Ponzi scheme or something. <laughs> basically, it's just like, man, they're always getting these guys. Like one day it's like Andrews Pete, the Michael Thomas, Cam Jordan, Demario Davis. Obviously, there was a bunch of cuts. But the biggest headline of them all was that on Sunday we heard the news of Drew Brees retiring officially from the New Orleans Saints and the National Football League. Uh, I'm going to give you the floor just because obviously we can see the floor to Lee right behind you. So, oh, yeah. If you want to go ahead and just your, Oh, yeah. We got that's the thing free agency. So, it's a new day for all our teams. You can't see my shirt right now, obviously, but Matt's wearing Saints. I'm wearing Pats. And, uh, but yeah, I'll let you go ahead and see what you have to say about just thoughts on retirement and what you think the team can do going forward. Yeah. Um, well, going into probably one of my first or second to first or whatever you want to say podcast appearances. I was, I was already alluding to Drew Brees is most likely going to retire. Um, and here it is. It finally did happen. Um, he was really close to retiring last season. I mean, even Russell Wilson gave up his pro bowl spot. And at first I didn't think much of it because going in, uh, going into this, the past season, I was like, I think Drew Brees is going to come back for one more season. I didn't think he was that close to retirement, but he was a lot closer than what I thought he was. But Going into this season, just knowing how close he was to being retired as Phil joins, as we're sitting here talking about Drew Brees. Um, I mean, uh, I I knew it was coming, of course. He's had these injury problems the past couple years, and now the Saints are going to enter in a transitionary period where they're trying to figure out what's going to happen. 
And they've done a couple things for that. But before I get to breaking Dak down, I just want to say uh, incredible career by Drew Brees. He he transformed this franchise as Phil sitting there, Phil and, Phil and Griff are sitting there clapping it up for him. Um, one of the best quarterbacks ever there. First, uh, first ballot hall of fame, all that, all that stuff, all that jazz. Um, very glad that he brought a Super Bowl to new Orleans should have been more. It sucks that it wasn't more, but, um, he, he, he brought expectations to a team that had no expectations before. And for that, you just got to give it up to the guy and he's just been a model guy and he just goes out there and puts up numbers and it's crazy. The stuff that he has done. But uh, from the future standpoint of things, uh, of course, there's two guys. Um, they did the cat mumbo jumbo, as I like to call it, that Mickey Lemus did with Taysom Hill, where he threw out the troll move of saying, oh, Taysom Hill gets a $140 million contract. Adam yeah. Schefter tweeted that. And at first I was like, I did tweet something at first because I didn't read the whole tweet. And I was like, wait, what? Because <laughs> I, I did not want to be paying Taysom Hill $35 million a year. That'd be the most asinine thing. But of course... Yeah. It's all voidable, so it's like it's not even there. It's just to Contract, push his sixteen million dollar cap hit further back. So, yeah. uh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like it's just things that they do so that later on, if they do want to get out of the contract or if Taysom moves on, like they get out of it scot free. That's all. So it's kind of like an illusion to kind of fuck with people who don't understand the cap, which is, to be honest, about ninety seven percent of football fans. Oh yeah, yeah. and it, they did a similar thing with Teddy a couple years ago when they uh, signed him, he had like a two year avoidable contract deal worth $45 million. Of course, these guys aren't going to get that money just coming, just being backups. So uh, yeah, but I mean, take some heel. I definitely do think he has a shot at it. And of course we re-signed Jameis to the uh, incentive based, kind of like how your, you two guys as Patriots with Cam Newton did with his incentive based contract, which I think is yeah. very smart. I love the, I love the idea. Um, where James could make up to twelve point five million if he does all these things like become the starter, wins, playoff wins, et cetera, et cetera, stats. Um, and I think it's going to be a race between these two. I think Jameis does have the leg up from what I'm hearing from uh, sources and players. They do think Jameis could be the guy, but I legitimately do think it's going to be a competition between these two, Taysom and Jameis. Um, personally, I would like to see Jameis because I think his ceiling is much higher than Taysom Hill's. Both of these guys could have a very big floor because they're both turnover prone. Taysom with his fumbles, Jameis with interceptions, of course. So we'll just have to see how it plays out. And I'm hoping that uh, Jameis can come out on top and maybe he could be the future of the franchise, but we'll see where that goes. Yeah, exactly. Like the way I look at it right now is I feel like, and even I heard Mike Florio say this on Pro Football Talk where he went, I think it's, he thinks more or less it's Taysom's job to lose. But I feel like when it comes to this whole – like, that's just him. I'm the opposite where I think, you know what, you give Jameis the starting reps and then you kind of let let Taysom, you know, be Taysom. You don't want him to try to make Taysom into that model quarterback because he's just not that. Keep him as a Swiss Army knife that he is. And I also got to say, too, like the Cam deal, which Phil and I are going to get into, I obviously had the emergency podcast last week that I released about it. But I like the whole incentive-laced, like, bet-on-yourself kind of contracts because I feel like it lights a fire under these guys' asses to prove, like, hey, it's either it's now or never kind of deal. But meanwhile, with the Saints, too, it's also good because they do need the money for next year, obviously, because guys like Lattimore and Ramchek are going to get paid. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. And also, do more, obviously, Marcus Williams' franchise. So we'll see what happens. But as for this direction of the Saints, I don't feel like it's this whole craziness where two months ago people were saying, like, oh, the Saints are going to be 2-14 and 14 next year. And I'm just like... Mickey Loomis is going to snap his fingers and they're going to be around the cap number. They'll be yeah. fine. 
I think also, oh, go on, go on, Phil. Yeah. I was yeah, gonna say, yeah. I think, I mean, I think the Saints are gonna be fine, and you could make a case. Matt Beast may not like this too much, but you can make a case they could be better. <laughs> and the only reason I say that is because Drew Brees just did not look himself towards the end of the season. Um, now, granted, you're talking about a Winston that has to be able to not turn the ball over. Um, but he can, I mean, they brought in Winston in the, I think, was it the Bucks game, uh, Matt? You have to ask. But they brought in Winston for that long bomb because they knew he had the arm for it. So, I mean, that was a playoff game. It was a playoff game. I don't think it was. That was a playoff game against the Bucs. He did play in the Bucs game when they kicked their ass, but he was also, he did the, he did the throw in the playoff game. Sorry to cut you off, Phil. I believe the Smith. I want to say it was Traquan Smith that caught that ball. So what I'm, what I'm getting at is I think that Winston has the capabilities to take them maybe possibly to another, because I mean, towards the end of the season, Michael Thomas was irrelevant. Now, whether that was defensive players, you know, shutting him down, whatever, there's some elements to that. But I don't think Drew Brees and him just – I don't know. Something was up there. And Matt maybe could comment a little more on that. But I, I just think that um, – I'm not saying that it's going to take leaps and bounds better, but I do think it could be better. I think Winston's the guy you go with, and I don't think you pull – you've got to give him time. You can't pull him right away and put Taysom Hill back. Like, Drew Brees, you could put, pull Drew Brees, even though I didn't really wasn't a big fan of that either. But you could pull Drew Brees off the field and have Taysom uh, Hill come in and do a little thing and then come out. But I don't think you can do that with Winston. Winston needs consistency. Maybe towards the end of the season, maybe you can. Um, but I do think Winston's the guy to go with. And I love – and I would agree with Matt. I think – one, is where the, the league's going now. But incentive-based contracts uh, for Winston is great. Cam Newton as well. We'll get on. I'll get on my thoughts about that later. But um, I think that's the way to go nowadays, especially for people that need to prove themselves. Um, hey, if you want a job, here's an opportunity for you to get what the money you expect, but the money you don't deserve. Here's the money you deserve, and and you can get to that level. So, yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be a transition period. I don't quite think we're going to be better just because of the cap situation. We did end up having to cut a few people like Emmanuel Sanders. And I think the biggest cut was Janoris Jenkins. And I know yeah. there's rumors of Richard Sherman, but I don't know if that's going to fit the scheme. We do have his old coach from Seattle as a secondary coach now. So maybe that could uh, pay dividends. We'll have to wait and see. But um I, the 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 middle of the roster is definitely taking a hit here because we've lost quite a few people between we just traded Malcolm Brown who we were going to cut so I'm happy we got something for him from uh, losing Quan Alexander who he was injured and had a big cap hit so that kind of had to happen Emmanuel Sanders is going to be pretty big he has not signed anywhere quite okay. yet um, Emmanuel Sanders getting cut and going to the Bills which will be interesting to see oh did he get some um, of the Bills I didn't see that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, one year, six million. I think he's just got to pass his physical. I think he's going to Buffalo either today or tomorrow because I believe. Sorry to cut you off, Matt, but I believe that cut was one of those ones where it was like official at four o'clock. So I'm pretty sure he hasn't signed officially, but it's basically it's more than likely done. It's just they just need to put pen to paper. Mm-hmm. And I, we just need to go out and replace uh, the middle part of this roster. And I mean, the comp picks could help that we've gotten and we hadn't really been getting comp picks before. So this is a whole new situation for us. Um, and it's just going to be hard to replace it, but I, I'm not really going to put a cap on what, what we could be quite yet since the draft and all that has not happened yet. And rest free agency still to go. We could go out and sign some cheap guys in the bargain bin that I think could contribute, but we'll just see how it goes from there. We knew breaking news would happen. I don't know if you guys have talked about this yet, but look who just signed. I'm not going to – you can't see that. The Curtis Samuel? Curtis Samuel just signed with the Washington football team. That's big. 
I yeah, really 11, thought uh, three years for 11 and a half. Okay. I didn't see that. Yeah. I haven't seen that yet, but, um, uh, that was, I was really thinking that we had a strong push for him just because of, uh, I mean, not now, now I was a little less likely, but, um, I did think that we were we were going to really push for him because Cam and you know Cam might have had a little bit of love there, but I yeah, guess not. it's we, it's super weird though this year because the wide receiver market it's there's so many guys available yet I think there's so many people like for example why Kenny Galladay hasn't been signed yet because they're wanting the big bucks yet they're not really getting them and just by the way guys Big Rat is here he will be uh, no uh, camera today just because of some technical issues but you can hear him loud and clear. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's just the thing. Like, I feel like with these wide receivers, like why Juju hasn't been signed yet? Why there's just these certain guys who've been like, if you look at all the people receivers who have been signed, like Curtis, it's who Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, Curtis Samuel, Corey Davis to the Jets. I'm just trying to think of who else. Besides that? That a, the wide receiver room hasn't been a whole lot of craziness yet, but we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, some more dominoes fall, and hopefully, too during the show because that'd be pretty that'd be pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, and I should. Uh... When you when you introduce me, even though my camera's all fucked up, instinctively I raise my hand to wave. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. Uh, I'll see if I can get it on by the end. It's uh, it's been giving me a lot of problems though. I couldn't log on to the Wi-Fi with it. But yeah, the wide receiver thing though, and I think what you're seeing is paying big money like those guys were expecting the top of the market guys like the Galladay's, like the Juju's, uh, paying them like 16, 17 million like they were expecting in the reduced cap environment and also. This wide receiver class being so good and being so deep, I saw Albert Breer write this. I think this is something to pay attention to moving forward. I think I think it's going to be tougher for teams to give out those Odell Beckham contracts, the New Hopkins contracts, because there's so many good receivers that come out of college these days, and there's so many of them. There's like it's not a coincidence that last year everyone was like, "This is one of the best receiver classes ever," and this year we're we're doing it again. Like there's like another 20 good receivers you can get in the first, second, or third rounds. And I think especially during the pandemic with uncertainty with the salary cap, I think more and more teams are just going to be like, you know what? I don't need to give Kenny Galladay $17 million. Like I can draft someone for cheap or I can give like the Patriots said, I can give two receivers six or seven or $8 million each. So I think that's why you, I think that's why you're seeing those top of the market guys having a hard time finding a home. Exactly. And even why like Adam Butler, for example, just going to the defensive side, big rats on a pretty, pretty, I'd say pretty nice contract with you guys today as well. Oh, I, I was very happy about that. The Dolphins have had a bad free agency, so they, to get that good news was was encouraging. Uh, the, the, Curtis, yeah. the Curtis Samuel thing actually like broke my heart. I was like holding out hope for him, and I found out about that right right when we got on. So, I think we all, I think all of us here were kind of holding out hope for that, except for Matt, because obviously they're the Saints wide receiver room is pretty solid right now, and I think most people expect Michael Thomas to have a bounce back year in twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah, I think with Big Rack killed it when he talked about like like there's just so many. So like with the draft draftable wide receivers you can go out and get and there's also um some like i don't want to say average like average or right above like there's i would say i will say around average i guess but like receivers that you can go and get like maybe i said pats were able to get two for the price of one and so uh shout out to danny who just came in here um i'm sure he'll have a lot to say with what we're saying but uh but yeah, like so, like instead of going after like Juju's gonna want too much money, like eventually Juju's gonna have to like take less money because I mean, there's everyone else is getting their receivers now, so how much more room is there to be? Um, so Juju might end up taking more less money and coming back to Pittsburgh. I don't know, unless they just don't want him. But that's I, like, I, I, is there somebody else I'm th- forgetting? Like it's basically Juju. That's it, right? Juju, uh, Holiday, Wolf Fuller. Those yeah, Holiday's gone though. No. 
Gallup is technically like there's a lot of smoke that it's like about to happen with the oh, Jets, okay. but it, it's not. Okay, I didn't know if that, that it's not Adam Adam Scheffler official, so you're all right until I see that. There was a super weird. I don't know, but I'm just, I'm just gonna cut in because I want to say something about that. Um, it was super weird today. So there was a report from a and I first caught this because Danny tweeted it, but there was a Giants reporter a guy named Wayne, like I think Sternberg or Steinberg, and. Uh, but basically what happened was he was saying all this stuff about how, oh, hey, I just got a text that, like, Kenny Galladay is coming to the Giants. And then Josina Anderson liked it. So that's what caught a lot of attention because obviously Josina is the queen of, you know, what players text are saying, hey, I'm going here. Happened on money with Shaquille Barrett returning to the box. But then no one really caught on to something. But then there was a doubt. I, I want to get the guy's name so I can credit the right people in the reports. Uh, a guy named Patrick Walker who goes by the handle uh, – voice of the star who I think is a part of the pro football writers association works for CBS sports had it basically about the whole stuff with Kenny Galladay going to visit the giants. So there is smoke to it. Like big rat said, but nothing's officially at it. He's going to visit the facility. I think they want to see how his hip is everything like that. And also to, uh, what was I going to say about Galladay? I agree. Cause Danny tweeted this out earlier. Apparently the Bengals offered him a one year prove it deal, which that's a slap in the face to Galladay. He's there's no way in hell he's taking that. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I don't – yeah, whatever. Danny, I hope you feel better, buddy. I saw you – you just said you bowled five discs in your back, man. That sucks. Same. That does suck, man. Hope you get to feeling all right. Back yeah, man. That, worst. You know, he messaged me earlier today just saying that basically he wouldn't be up first standing up there, and I said I completely understand. So hopefully next time we do something like this, because like I said, this was basically the Christmas show done all over again with the five of us, but then with Danny obviously out due to injury. So he's on the sidelines right now, but he'll be back. For sure, for sure. But yeah, I think yeah. Danny's team also uh, did very well. Uh, it pains me to say it, but uh, I thought I thought the Lawson signing was good. The Davis signing is okay because I'm higher on Mims than most people. Um, so, like, Davis doesn't have to be a full-blown alpha, in my opinion, if Mims grows into his potential. Uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's a, this would have been a good show for him to glow. And so, in many ways, it's, it's nice that he's not here. Don't they have uh, Paramount <laughs> still as well? Uh, yeah. Well, Perriman, Perriman, I think is a free agent, but it's I like, think he is too, yeah. but, but there is rumors that they're going to bring him back. Okay. Um, I want to talk about the Davis signing, obviously, because for, I'll let you guys weigh in on this and Daniel will probably agree with me because the Jets haven't had a good pass rusher since this like 2004. That's coming off the edge. They had Wilkerson, but Wilkerson was an interior lineman. So I like that signing for them, but also to Corey Davis, you know how, and I think big rat and then everyone's going to test this. You know how there's certain profiles like you hear like Phil, Oh, he's a Belichick guy. Right. Corey, Corey Davis seems like a Robert Sala guy, kind of like, you know what, just put your head down, go to work, and like all gas, no breaks, like what Robert Sala said in his press conference. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, Corey Davis is a great. I mean, I, I thought whoever got him was going to get a good receiver. I mean, Corey Davis is your solid work work ethic uh, kind of receiver. Um, I mean, he's not going to like shock, you know, put shockwaves through your offense, but he's going to make your offense better. And if they decide to go with, to stay with Sam Darnold, I think that would help him um, to have another receiver. Um, or if they decide to go with whoever they're going to draft, I don't know anymore. <laughs> they're going Wilson. They're going Wilson. I think everyone can agree here. They're drafting Zach Wilson. Put Danny, you can. I think even Dan, I've even seen Danny's thoughts as a Jets fan change every day. So I don't know what's going on. But Danny, you can go ahead and say what you think as of right now is going to happen in the chat. But um, and I'll repeat it so everyone can see it. But uh, um, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, you know, I think. I don't know. I don't know what the Jets do. I was getting distracted on that, but uh, Danny thinks it's Wilson as well. That's what uh, mm-hmm. 
what Griffith yeah. said. He thinks it's Zach Wilson. Um, it seems like Justin Fields is kind of dro- – I think the last one I saw, Justin Fields had actually dropped in like fourth or fifth. There's there's some people that have Justin Fields below Trey Lance. That's not the majority opinion, but I, I've seen yeah. that out there. From Trey Lance is getting a lot – yeah, uh, I, I agree because I, I, I've seen a lot of Trey Lance uh, moving up people's boards. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about Trey Lance, so I can't really go either way. Um, the reality is solid pro day. Yeah, the, the NFL doesn't know enough about him either. I think I think Wilson and I think well I think everybody except for Lawrence is no one start ready so you're all all of them need to be guys that can sit obviously the Jets draft Wilson and that's not going to happen but um you know I mean but they'll they'll give him enough time to like you know with a new coach I think that's that's okay that's a that's okay like as much as it pains me to say that I think with the Jets like starting a new like if you're going to go with Wilson that's fine like you can start him and get him let him get experience because it's a new coach you have a lot of new things new new pieces. That that can that can work okay and it won't hurt hurt him in his favor. He'll just get experience. And really, it's a throwaway year, not a throwaway year as in like it's not important, but it's a year that like Wilson will be able to get his experience while the 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 outcome is is irrelevant really, um, because it's a new coach too. I assume the Jets would give the coach more leeway than that. But I uh, just want to chime in quickly and say I think this is the kind of year where you know what it's a growing pains year for the Jets where they may go like a six and ten or a seven and nine, but then. Seeing they have a lot of cap right now, and they if they don't have to spend it all right now, they can wait till next year, spend it when you know what Wilson's made of, build a team around him, and then that's when you start to kind of like creep and make noise, and then potentially go better than five hundred. That's that's just me though, because I think Jacksonville's in that same boat. Even though they're getting Trevor Lawrence, why Urban Meyer's doing all those like low risk signings now rather than just blowing like blowing all the cap dollars now? Wait a year, see what there is with those two quarterbacks and their teams, and then build around them so you can build a winner going forward. Yeah, exactly. Love. Yeah, they're not really like super breaking the bank. I mean, they gave Carl Lawson a pretty good deal, um, but I think he's. I think he's. I probably would have put him right above Trey Hendrickson personally, and that coming from a guy who just had Trey Hendrickson on the team. So uh, them getting him for about the same value, I like that. Um, as, as you guys were saying with Corey Davis, I think he's a good wide receiver too. Um, yeah. If you're having to rely on him as your main guy, I don't really think that's the way to go. So. You, you kind of hope that they might be able to bring someone else in maybe next year, like you guys alluded to. Um, and then they also added uh, one of the better uh, special teams players in the league to add to Matthew Slater in the division to make uh, the SCE have two of the best special team players in the league with uh, Justin Hardy. Yep. The, if, if Corey Davis, like I, I, so I'm a fan of Mims, so I don't think it's a huge problem. Denzel Mims, on, on if you go to playerprofiler.com, they compare like your measurables and your college production to your best comparable player. Denzel Mims' best comparable comparison was Chris Godwin. And so, you know, that doesn't mean he will be Chris Godwin, but that was right. – his metrics are very, very similar across the board. His college profile is very similar. So if Mims turns into that level of a receiver, then yeah, he and Davis can work off each other. But I do agree with Matt. If Dave – like here's a good example. In 2018, Corey Davis had 890 yards, 65 catches, right? And that's the kind of thing where if Mims doesn't grow and Davis is your number one and he gets you like 890 yards, it's the kind of thing where like, you're not going to be mad at that. It's 890 yards. But like the fan base will kind of be like, man, like, you know, he's our number one guy. Why, why is he not giving us more than that? Whereas it's not a coincidence when AJ Brown emerges onto the scene, you know, he gives you 945 yards on less targets in less games um, because AJ Brown is clearing the field for everybody else. So, yeah, like I'm, 
I'm not sure. I, I, he needs to not be the best receiver in the offense, I think, is the way that this will work. And that could happen. But if he is, then he, you might may or may not have buyer's remorse in the money. But Carl, Carl Lawson's just a great move. I, I really wanted him. He was the guy I wanted the most. Even, also with Matt, no offense, even more so than Trey Hendrickson. And uh, <laughs> Carl Lawson, yeah, no, I mean, there's no way to I – can't, I can't mock him for that. Like, it, you know, it's just a good signing. I think you're going to see a lot of defenders wanting to go play for Robert Sala just because he has, like like I said before, that whole all-gas-no-breaks mentality. So now if he can convert that and get some pretty good offensive weapons going forward, the Jets are slowly going to get something going. Mm-hmm. Um, one signing I actually wanted to ask Big Rat about right away because obviously there's a little bit, and we saw – we'll get to it in a bit, but Randy asking about Watson. I want to ask uh, Big Rat, do you think uh, Brissett was brought in like as a quote-unquote relief pitcher? Or do you think it's just a it's like an insurance policy in case Tua goes down? Well, I I look, I will not put it past them. I think the relief from from all the reports out of Miami, the relief pitcher idea, you know, it, it was unique. It was innovative. You know, Brian Flores has done a lot of innovative things as a head coach that like seem unconventional but end up working out. And uh, the sense that I get from reading the beat guys is that they're not gonna do that anymore. That that was kind of a rookie year thing. And uh they may or may not have the same leash. So, I mean, I like if two plays bad enough to get benched, then sure. But I, I don't, I don't anticipate it being as likely as it was last year. Especially since Fitz had a lot of trust with Flores, with Chan Gailey. Fitz had played with those receivers for two years. Jacoby Brissett with receivers he's never played with before. His first year in the system. It's a system kind of designed for Tua. They hired like one or two of his high school coaches as his quarterbacks coach. They have co-offensive coordinators who were on the team last year. Like everything about the offensive design is so quirky um, because it's so tailored for Tua that Brissett, even though I like Brissett, I think Brissett's a fine quarterback. Uh, I, I don't know if he will have the advantages that Fitz had in a Chan Haley system with Devontae Parker and Gasecki in his second year with them where it's easier for Fitz to come in and seamlessly play with those guys. So I don't anticipate that happening. But I did like the signing. I – Unlike what I may have said in the show in the past, I did want like an actual backup. I did not want them to sign Brian Hoyer as their backup or like some old quarterback because like we we need to provide a mentor for Tua and we need to have someone who can read defenses and can like teach him in the meeting room. I wanted an actual good backup quarterback because Tua could get hurt. And if he gets hurt, I don't want the season to fall apart. So two questions. One, because I you guys, uh, Griffin, uh, Big Rat will have better memory than I do, to be honest. Um, but was Brian Flores there when, when, when Jacoby Brissett was in New England? Yes. Yeah, he was. Okay. That's what I thought. But so that, that, that kind of, that didn't shock me with, with that one question. The other question that I do have was, um, do you think by them signing Brissett, is that them saying they're out of the Watson? No. So, so the Watson thing, there's two schools. So the Dolphins have spent almost none of their cap space so far. Uh, much to the chagrin of the fan base. We keep striking out. We struck out on Carl Lawson. We struck out on Curtis Samuel. Uh, I, they better not strike out on David Andrews. Like, I will be very upset if they don't get him. They kind of have to now. Like, yeah, I, that like, looks like a given, yeah. They, can, they yeah. can't even just bring back Ted Karras, who actually played well last year because he went back to New England. So they can't even do that. Yeah, so it, presuming – Ted Karras? I missed that. Yeah. Yeah, one year's four million. Oh, one year four million, excuse me. 
Yeah, Ted Ted Karras. Uh, I know Ted Karras started in 2019 when David Andrews was hurt and was up and down. But for the Dolphins, Ted Karras was really good, really reliable. Played every snap and was well, like played well, like most weeks. So, but so the Dolphins clearing cap space for Watson. There's some people who say they haven't spent any money because they're keeping space available if they get Watson. The Dolphins know that just even if they want Watson, that doesn't mean they get him. Like because. Because there's the Jets. If, if if the Texans care about the best draft picks possible, the Jets have better draft picks. If they're constrained to Watson's no trade clause demands of going to the best team, then that means Watson can go to the 49ers. Just because the Dolphins want him doesn't mean they can actually get him. Yeah, so right. the theory is that they're keeping space open, and they would do it if they could. But they're also keeping space open just because they're they're a very prudent organization. So having Brissett is not a big deal because there's no world where they would have Brissett, Tua, and Watson. If they get if they're getting Watson, that's because Tua is in the trade. So there's no concern yeah. in paying three quarterbacks. And the, the last the last thing on that is also that I'll say is a, like much like how Matt's team is doing all this voodoo fucking magic, giving Taysom Hill <laughs> five years, three hundred million dollar contracts and all this shit, <laughs> or whatever the four year one hundred forty, whatever it was. The Dolphins, the Dolphins know that they can restructure Byron Jones's contract, and they could do what all these other teams are doing, where you take Byron Jones's salary, convert it into a roster bonus, and then and then to a signing bonus, and then spread that out over multiple years of the deal. They could do that and clear like fifteen million dollars a cap. They haven't done it yet, but the point is they could sign guys, and still that's kind of like their bullet in their back pocket that they could always turn to if they need to clear more space if Watson were to come in. Yeah. Do we think that the Dolphins could – I think I, – I still think this, that the Dolphins are a prime candidate to not pick at three. I think you're going to have a team like maybe Carolina or even, I don't know, the Broncos knocking on your door for that third overall pick. Yeah, there's there's very there's two two pieces of information the last week that confirmed that. The first is Schefter. I think he said it yesterday or the day before. Schefter said four quarterbacks will go in the top six or seven. And – to 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 uh, to to Phil's point, I do think the Brissett signing it was it was pretty much confirmed anyways. But the Dolphins are one hundred percent not taking a quarterback in the first round. Like that's it was probably never going to happen. But the Brissett signing tells you that's one hundred percent not happening. Yeah, so that's I never there. believe that. I didn't either. And so if if there really are going to be four quarterbacks taken in the top six, like Schefter predicts, then that essentially would require some team to trade down, which could be Miami. The other is Brian Flores in his presser when he was referencing the draft. He didn't even refer to them having three overall because he didn't mention they could trade the pick. So he said, we have, you know, let's say we will get like a top 10 kind of player. Like he actually said, like, we'll get someone in the top 10, not even though he's picking third, because he's essentially like telling the world, yeah, we would prefer to trade down like to nine or 10 if we could. It's kind of like last year where uh, Jamal, uh, I'm just going to say this year, where you guys wanted Tua, you guys thought like once obviously you started winning, you're like, oh, we're not getting Tua anymore. But then he got hurt, so he kind of magically fell in your lap. I could see a world where, uh, especially considering the Bengals need offensive line, where if you guys were to trade with Carolina, move back to eight, and Jamar Chase or Smith are probably going to be right there. So it's effectively a win-win for both teams where Carolina moves up, gets a quarterback, and then you guys move down and you get your receiver. Yeah, that would I, the Eagles would definitely scare me as a team that would take one, but I would very much agree that that you can get you'll you'll be you won't be left empty-handed. You'll be get one of the really good ones. It's still in that spot. Now Eagles are gonna fuck around and draft Mac Jones for no apparent reason. And and, and yeah. look, the Dolphins the Dolphins by striking out on all these free agent receivers, they're kind of giving themselves no choice. To Danny's comment in the chat about them being locked in, it's like 
they're yeah. kind of forcing their hand here, like by keep by by their striking out on all these signings. But the one thing I'll say too, I, it, it will. I think if they can get Smith or uh, Chase, like I think that it almost is end up going to work in their favor because I would take either one of those over the, any of the signings. Um, in free agency, I, I, I would, I would too. Personally. I think that's smart. I think it ended up working out in their favor. Um, I just, I don't know. Go ahead, Griff, because I got something to say. I was only going to say, too, I could even see Jalen Waddle being one of the first. I because I did a mock draft, actually, uh, on my – because for those of you who don't know, I started writing now WordPress. The link is in the bio, YWC Football Talk. I did my first mock draft, which, by the way, not easy. But in my hot take pick, I had Jalen Waddle going three to the Dolphins just because his – I obviously, Chase has got it all, but Waddle's got that speed where it's just – you know, like they say, speed kills. Like, I that's just something, too, I could see happening where – Waddle's another per- a player to watch out for. This is a very, very good receiver class, top and bottom. There's mm-hmm. there's definitely a lot of smart people I trust who think Waddle's going to be better than Smith in the NFL. And Waddle's skill set fits the Dolphins. The Dolphins had the lowest yards after the catch of any receiver group in the NFL last year. Like, all their guys are contested jump ball guys. Even Gasecki is. Gasecki, Parker, Preston Williams, they all do the same thing. So getting a Waddle, the speed guy, is the nice compliment to the receiver room that they need. And, you know, all this emphasis they have on hiring Charlie Fry, a guy who's worked with two in the past, keeping the offensive coordinators from last year that Tua knows, there is going to definitely be something too. let's get his teammate. If it's if it's a tie, let's just get his teammates that he has proven chemistry with, which is why they're, they're a real threat to take Najee Harris at 18 too for that reason. Uh, unless you're Maurice Jones-Drew, who had three running backs going in the first round. Phil, oh, what was Lord. the point you were going to say before? No, I was just uh, we were talking about Watson earlier. Um, I from all like I feel like if a Watson trade comes out, it's going to come out of nowhere. And I and I'm I'm honestly and I'm not saying this because I want him to go to the Pats. I don't think that's. I mean that's. I mean a lot has to happen for that to happen anyway. But I don't know. It just says to me like to me like okay, the Texans wait till after the draft. He can go anywhere at that point. They're like, not going to get as much, though. That's my yeah. only thing. That's what I'm they'll fuck themselves over if they wait till after the draft. Like, and it could, like, things can change overnight. But, I mean, from now till the draft day, is anything really going to change where the Texans decide they're going to call and beg Miami to make the deal? Like, are they going to beg the Jets to make the I mean, they don't have to beg them. Obviously, it's not, you know. But, like. I, I got to cut you off, Phil. I got another breaking news of a okay. signing. Uh, the Vikings have signed Pro Bowl quarterback Patrick Peterson to a one-year $10 million deal. Vikings, that's a big one. That's a big that's one. A, I, I like that signing a lot. Minnesota really needs defense. Sorry to cut you off, but if that happens, I'm going to be on the phones like Schefter all night. That's going to be my role. <laughs> no, that's good. That's that's what you need to do. So, yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I just – I think if they don't – I just don't – I guess what I'm saying is I don't think I'm going to see anything – we're going to see anything between now. If it's the my, if it's Miami or New York, I feel like it would have already happened. Um Unless they're, I mean, I know that their their packages that they're putting together are ridiculous, and I think Houston honestly believes they can fix this until they realize they can't. Which I think Big Rat said that before uh, about that. So, and I got another one too. Uh, the Seahawks are trading a 2021 fifth round pick to the Raiders for Gabe Jackson. That's offensive lineman Gabe Jackson, and that's something Seattle really needs. So they're really trying to keep Russell Wilson in town. Why are the Raiders like losing so many offensive linemen? Because Gruden's stupid. They're got, they, Derek Carr is going to die. <laughs> yeah, Derek Carr is going to get <laughs> blame it on Carr and not blame it, you know. So. And De- Derek Carr is also the the kind of quarterback that, like, I mean, every quarterback needs a good offensive line, but he, like, really needs one. Like, it's kind of his 
his numbers under pressure and with hands in his face, like his his numbers always fall apart relative to other guys around the league. And uh, I was gonna say, Danny, that makes a good point too. Like if of Casario, how do I pronounce his name? But Casario is at BYU's pro day. It will say a lot. It'll tell you what you need to know. Because I mean, the Texans don't have a draft pick, so if he wasting their time to, I mean, I'm not saying that people that don't even have uh, chances at getting people that they won't go like view them. But that's a good point. I mean, if he's there, then he obviously they're 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 thinking about still trading. I um, I, so. I agree with everything Phil said on the Watson thing. What's confusing to me. Because the reports are constantly changing. I remember, like me and Danny back in January when we were first tracking this, like Deshaun really wanted to go to New York or Miami. That was the rumor. But then it, then it came out Deshaun will actually go anywhere. Like so, it doesn't as long as the Texans decide to trade him, it's just highest pick. James Palmer said yesterday that he thinks that Deshaun will actually care about the no trade clause thing, and he thinks Deshaun has the leverage because he still doesn't think the Texans are gonna like end up like daring him to skip practices and all that. And so he was like, yeah, if Deshaun tells them, I want to go to San Francisco, I want to go to Denver. And that, that could just completely cut out Danny and I's teams, even if we want to like set all our draft picks at them. So even if Casario himself wants to trade Watson for a top pick in the draft, Watson might prevent that by forcing his hand on where he goes. But he, here's the thing I think about that, though. I think to me, because I think the team's – that that uh, well maybe not all teams but I think Houston has that mindset they're gonna say they're gonna come to Watson and say here's the trade that we got this is the only one we're doing and Watson's gonna either choose it or say no and then he's gonna stay on the team like Watson has leverage I get that with the trade no trade clause but if he comes to Watson and says look we made it let's I'm just use throwing an example let's just say all right Denver a team that he wouldn't want to go to I, w- I don't want to use the pass because that's a biased way like I'm trying to think of another random team. Let's just. This doesn't make sense because they got Andy Dalton. But let's say the Bears. He the Bears came up to to uh, the Texans with, and they the Texans like that offer. Texans go to Deshaun and say we're we're sending you to the Bears if you want to go anywhere. That's the that's the that's it. Otherwise, you're staying here. Like Deshaun doesn't have a choice. Like you think he's gonna if he really wants to leave, he has to say yes to that. To my in my opinion, because what is he gonna do? Hold out and hope that they that they change their mind? Like no. Like if Houston's gonna be stickler already about it. Like basically what maybe I was saying as far as the Jets and Miami, I don't know. To me, it just seems, I don't know. You guys, like I said, that's why I'm asking, kind of deferring to you guys with Danny and Big Rat when it comes to like, because you guys will watch like beat writers of, of your teams. But to me, it seems like Miami's and New York is done. They're done. Like that's, it just doesn't, I don't, it could change tomorrow, but it just seems like they're not getting the buzz that they were. Like it looked like it was going to be Miami or New York. Now it looks like it's going to be anybody but them. Um, I don't know. That could change in three days. I feel like you see a lot of buzz for a while, and after a while it just dies down after no deal happens. But secretly maybe those deals are still working in the works because you've never seen a guy like Deshaun Watson traded, like a young quarterback who's just like on his second deal, who's top five quarterback in the league. You just don't see that ever happening. So I think when something like this is happening, it just takes a lot of moving parts to it. But I will say, like, if it doesn't happen by the draft, I don't think it's going to happen because that means the Texans really stood firm because I'm sure they're getting all kinds of calls of all kinds of picks being thrown out the fucking phone. (laughs) Yeah, and they're just not taking it for whatever reason. And maybe, maybe they're just waiting to see what all the deals come out could be and trying to shift through their best possible outcomes that they could take to trade Deshaun Watson if they're if they're feeling like they have to. Um, but I, I think that's 
some of the reason why you're not seeing as much hype on some of these teams with Deshaun Watson at the moment because it's just a lot to it. And going and going off of what Randy said, like, is there any chance? Randy asked, "Is there any chance?" And we and Danny talked about this on Twitter, but is there any chance Watson gets traded to the Patriots? To me, once you take the Jets and once you take the Miami Dolphins out of it, anybody's up for grabs. Like, because there's no one else. I mean, that realistically, because Carolina tried already. So I wouldn't, I mean, if they come back into the, the mix, sure. But it doesn't seem like anyone else that has a top pick is has ever been rumored in the in the talk. So, yeah, if that's not Miami, if it's not New York, I do think the Pats have a chance. I don't know what they're giving up for that. They're probably giving up Gilmore, two first-round picks. I mean, a lot, in my opinion. But, um, I mean, yeah, like Danny just said, a rumored offering, they offered a lot. But they did from the only the last rumor I heard, they wouldn't give up Bridgewater. And for some godforsaken reason, the Texans that was, said that, was, deal. that was their, Oh, that was the Stafford deal. Okay. That was the Stafford but, trade. Day. But, I but I can't imagine they wouldn't give, I mean, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about what they would give up as far as I have, I have to imagine if they wouldn't give up uh Bridgewater for Stafford, they're not going to give up Bridgewater for Watson. It was like that. Like, I think it was, I don't know if Bridgewater's involved. But I know Brian Burns was involved. I know Christian McCaffrey was involved. Which Danny, I know. Danny, hold on, I'm going I'm to go on, Danny. Danny, the Bridgewater was true. That is 100% true. The Dolphins, I mean, the Panthers legit came out and said, that's uh, everything I read. I mean, unless okay, okay. that's I, true. I, the Bridgewater yeah. thing is true. I don't know about the Texans. I don't know about that part. I mean, that, that's what you're asking. But uh, Yeah, I, I didn't hear. Um, I heard, I just heard, like, I think it was what I heard was, like, like, Panthers Twitter and, like, TikTok saying, like, what they were willing to give up. But I know that in the uh, – deal for Stafford, the Panthers weren't going to give up Bridgewater for some reason, which didn't make sense as Phil and I are fellow Apple Watch buddies. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a thing too, like um, what Randy said, uh, what Danny said, and then even to what uh, Randy said earlier with the Panthers, there are like Bridgewater was one of those things where it's kind of like uh, you bought a car and you're kind of already over it or kind of like how we are with our phones. That's why phone upgrades exist. And every two years we change one, like after a year or so, I, I don't know about Matt and Bitgrab, but I assume you guys are iPhone. Yep. It's yep. like the same thing too. Like when the new iPhone comes out, you're like, you're like, hey, I want I want the new phone. Like that's that's what the Panthers are. They're, it's buyer's remorse. Like Sean Payton sold them the hell out of getting Teddy Bridgewater, and now they're it's backfired. Well, yep. look, I mean, I Danny, I just want to say this. I agree with what you're saying. There's no no, no logical reason why they wouldn't get rid of Teddy. I'm just saying every rumor that I've heard has said that they wouldn't. So until I hear proof that they traded him, I'm not saying I'd be shocked they traded. They should trade him for Watson. David Tepper wants to win now. That's the yeah. problem. Yeah, and uh, it should be it should be cleared up. So I think for Stafford, for the Stafford thing, Danny, um, yeah, they did not trade Teddy in the Stafford trade. I heard that too. They didn't think that that was like a deal breaker, though. They thought they were getting Stafford. They were already tr- exchanging physicals with the Lions about it. Like the, the rumor, they had a deal for Stafford that didn't involve Teddy. And then the Rams like jumped in at the last minute and offered all this shit. Like that, 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 that yeah. is the story. It's not like it's not like the line the Panthers told the Lions we're drawing the line at Teddy and that's why we're not trading. That, that's not really how it went down. I'm sure they would trade Teddy in the Watson deal. In the Watson deal, the rumor oh, okay. is that's what you're saying. That's what you're saying. Yeah, the rumor is they would trade Teddy, they would trade McCaffrey, they would trade Brian Burns, and they would trade a bunch of picks. It should be noted, if we can believe this reporting by NFL Network. On the NFL Network, they said the Bears for Russell Wilson. They offered three ones, two starters, and a third-round pick. And the two starters, the theory is one of them was probably Cleo Mack. Mm-hmm. So 
three God. ones, three right. ones, two starters, and a second round pick. So Danny, like, if Joe Douglas is only going to offer two firsts, I can tell you right now, you're not going to get him. Like, even even with number two overall, that's just not going to be enough. I think they want a player. Like, I think that's right. I mean, it seems like I mean the Bears were. I mean, well, first of all, Russell Wilson was never getting traded. That was a rumor that got spun. I mean, I'm not saying they didn't. Except every team is going to accept calls about you know. So I think that that's what it got you know blown out of proportion. But uh, but I do think that like there's a there's there's a player involved. Like the C. I mean, if the Panthers really give give up CMC, that tells you all you need to know right there. But with the Bears, quickly, I. Pretty sure the players were rumored to be Akeem Hicks, former Saint, and uh, mm-hmm. Kyle Fuller. That's what I heard. And yeah, that's the other reason why, too, Phil, I don't believe that that trade's going to happen. Just because, like, look, Ryan Pace threw out that aggressive, aggressive price for Russell Wilson. It's going to take the farm to fuck to get Watson, no matter who you are now, because of that price that was set. It will take the farm right now. The second the draft is over, that farm situation is over. If they have to – if they – Look, no one – they didn't want to trade Wentz, right? Like, that, the whole rumor for the longest time was Wentz is going nowhere, although a lot of fans thought that he would still get traded. I thought he would, and he did. But, like, for a while, it was like the organization was, was – and that's the same thing Houston's doing. They're running their mouth saying there's no way we're trading him. Okay, well, then once draft day comes, now your options are slim. Like, now you're going to trade for next year's draft, and you're going to get – you know, so it's like – I just think it's, you know – You're yeah. mortgaging your future for a chance to win now. The, and also, but the problem with Danny's comment is like, I can, I can beat that offer right now. You're saying number two and another first round pick. I'll give you number three, number 18 and Tua. Like that is a better offer than number two and another first round pick. That's why this hypothetical he's talking about in the comments, I don't think would happen. Well, I think, I mean, I, I mean, when you look at the Panthers, I mean, they offer, what is Panthers, wrong. Panthers have eight. Yeah. That's why I was saying eight, Miami and eight, Carolina eight, seem like perfect trading partners, especially if Carolina spin on Lancer fields. Yeah. You know. I mean, the Panthers can make uh, – obviously, I don't think that's – I don't know. I, draft day could be the day we see the Watson trade. Maybe they're wanting to wait to the very last minute. And so a team's like, hey, before we make our draft pick, do you want this, you know? Um, there is, there, is a, uh, there but, is a pretty good uh, – tri- actually, I want to get into one thing quickly because uh, Randy just said this. No, 2022 first overall pick right here, Spencer Rattler. Um. The one thing I want to say quickly, too, and there's a trade partner that I was hearing today rumored, because obviously, and more, this is more to Matt's account, but of uh, with Matt Ryan giving back a lot of money back to the Atlanta Falcons to spend for the cap, I think it was like 13 or $14 million. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see a world, Phil, where the Patriots try to move up with the Falcons, because we now know Atlanta is probably not going to go quarterback in the draft. Where, And I want all, all of you guys and everyone in the comments to see what you think of this. Where the Patriots trade 15, 46, their 2022 first rounder for number four overall. I, I can see it. Not a chance. I will stand I will stand by that. I, I will gladly come on here and be proven wrong, but that would be Bill, Bill, that would be something I've never seen. Uh, to, to trade up, nah. You, he's got to love. Now I've heard, I've heard the only thing I've heard that he's that Bill loves anybody is Trey Lance. I've heard Trey Lance, Trey Lance, Trey Lance, Trey Lance. So maybe trading up a, like into the top ten, sure. But like trading up, the, that's not to not, not to four, man. That I, that would shock the living daylights out of me. But you might have to trade up to four to get Trey Lance at this rate. The way that's what I'm saying, you may have to do it. Good point, Matt. I mean, at this point, if people start going crazy, so uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. 
Number seven's not going to cut it for Trey Lance. I think he's gone before six. But not, nothing's off the table this year. If, if this is if anything's been proven at all yet, I mean, it's just like nothing's off the table. So as much as I say no chance, I still don't think there's no. Well, you know. The the Mike Lombardi came on the Rich Eisen show and said, for whatever it's worth, he said on the Rich Eisen show that Watson actually doesn't want to go to the Jets or the Dolphins, and he thinks that he would use his no trade clause to not go there. And again, mm-hmm. like. This is where I this is where it goes to say like we hear different reports every day. It wasn't that long ago when we were told he won't use the trade clause because he just wants to be free, so he'll just go anywhere no matter what. But if that is true, and according to Lombardi, his top choice is the 49ers. And obviously, I mean, I think we can all agree the 49ers would not only be interested, they can give Houston a quarterback that Casario would like. We know that. And then they can throw in first round picks as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not crazy to see. No, he said, Danny, Danny, he said the report that his list was only limited to San Francisco and Denver. That is bullshit. It's not just those two teams. That's not, that doesn't mean that those aren't his top choices and he still wouldn't prefer to use his no trade clause to go there. Um, Quickly to just about the notes about my mock grade. I got it because, uh, well, he was on the show last week, but Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus, uh, Basically, Pro Football Focus has a mock draft simulator. I encourage everyone watching and all three of you guys to go do it. But basically, that trade where the Patriots flip number four, (laughs) get number four for 15, the 2022 set first rounder, and then number 47, excuse me, not 46, uh, all the grades received an A+. So that's just something of worth note because, well, obviously, a lot of people follow Pro Football Focus now. So just something a little bit noteworthy. Yes, and as far as Zora said, look, I, I said it myself. I don't. It's not a bill move, um, but I I mean, who who knows what's going to happen? I will say this. Side note on the Patriots and the moves they've done this offseason, People saying that the only reason Bill Belichick's making these moves is because Tom Brady and the Super Bowl are idiots. I'm sorry, that's literally false. Like he's he had he's got cap. He would have Tom Brady lost in the Super Bowl or lost before he got there. He'd have done the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Now, the reason why I think it was like oh, he spent crazy because he he has the money and he knows he needs to get better. Like the team that was on paper this year, like went seven and nine. Like if this was any other coach or any other offensive line, this team, I think four games tops, they win. And I think, and that's the thing. I think Bill Bill knew knew what he was going. To, he's like he was willing to take the risk this past season. It, he knew he didn't lose much out of it. It was a COVID year. He, like and Bill, I'm talking about this is from Bill's perspective. Like, I think Bill was like, okay, well, we can't even have a full, like, roster anyway. Let's just do what we can. You know, I'm not saying he didn't try. I'm just saying, like, I think he said, you know, take it for what we can, and then next year we'll have the cap, and when it, and I can go after it and do what I need to do. And that was before the season even started, I think. Yeah. Um, can I, I just want to do something quickly, and I want to see what Big Rat, Matt, and Phil all think about this. But obviously you have the top four in the uh, – and I'm saying this, like, my top, like, four, obviously, I'm going to go, like, with just with certain teams. But with the back five, I want to see what you guys think with the AFC. Because I have it as uh, tennis, uh, Tennessee, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Miami, and then New England. Kind of not in that order, but that's kind of, like, I can see those teams finishing somewhere between fifth and ninth place. Like, kind of either getting in the wild card spots or just look on the outside looking in. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I And... The, the Belichick for agency thing is – he did it differently, though. Like, that's the thing. It's like yeah. – I, I, I mean, me and uh, our friend Trademark were talking about this on Messenger the other day. Like, the Kendrick Bourne contract is a classic, like, Patriots contract. Like, that's 
Like it's it was done in conjunction with all the other moves at the same time that it just gets like thrown in there. Like, look at the spending he did. That contract is like normal. It's standard. It's reasonable. It didn't. He does. He does the value added things where he finds guys from other teams where he thinks there's more they could offer than they demonstrated in those roles. Like with Kendrick Bourne. Like with John Smith. Like like with Judon also. Like it wasn't. He didn't. He didn't spend like eighteen million dollars a year on any individual player. Like it wasn't. I, I didn't. I really didn't view it the same way as no. everyone freaked out about it. I, I think a lot of contracts are good contracts. The only I agree too, Barry. I, don't, I think I think obviously the multiple signings is what I think threw people off. But at the same time, like the only thing that I would say would shock me in the sense of was was the fact that we even not even on the bill side of things, but just that we were able to get Janu Smith and Hunter Henry. That was like I thought for sure Hunter Henry was going somewhere else. Shout out Matt's Razorbacks on that one. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm very out. thankful that uh, that uh, we were able to get that. Those two shock me. That's Bill going out like saying, like, listen, this is how, you know. So um, The Hunter Henry one shocked me more than anything, but it's like what Big Rat said. Yeah, that's the only thing, like Danny said, there are a lot of backloaded contracts, but with the impending TV contracts coming in, it's going to make the league billions of dollars. Like, I don't think realize a lot, a lot of people understand how important those contracts are to the league. Yep. That plus revenue, because I do expect stadiums to be full or fuller than they were in 2020. The league's going to recover within the next few years. Yeah. And the salary cap, I think, could be up close to north of $200 million by then. So I feel like once those contracts are backloaded, it'll kind of even itself out with the cap going up. And I mean, if you have a smart GM, you're backloading all your contracts anyways, because every year the cap's going up by mm-hmm. five, eight maybe even 10 million some years. So all your contracts are going to be backloaded. That's what Mickey Loomis has done with literally every single contract he does. Just uh, with Michael Thomas. Yeah, just like with Michael Thomas, just like with everyone else. Everyone else has a low cap hit their first season, and then they get higher as they go. Like whenever Marshawn Lattimore or Ramshack get extended, they're going to have a small cap hit to help this season. If they get extended this season, I will say that, because right now their cap hit's at about 10 million. He's probably going to lower it to about 5 million. Um, and just push all that back in the future when the cap's going to go up from the TV deal, from fans getting back in the stands, and from everything getting back to normal, plus the cap just going up to compensate for all these players getting these deals because they just keep pushing more money into the cap. So these players can just fill their pocketbooks up. It makes uh, both the players and the teams happy. Just more Benjamins in the wallet. Um Mm -hmm. One other take I wanted to do quickly, because obviously before Big Rat and Phil came on, was we discussed, Matt talked about Drew Brees' retirement and everything. I will say, even though the Reggie White to Green Bay was very big at the time, I still think for what the impact was and what it brought to the city, Drew Brees is the greatest free free agent signing in NFL history. Easily. Uh, Please, no. (laughs) Don't don't (laughs) compound the 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 hypothetical where you could have had Drew Brees and Nick Saban hand in hand for another fifteen years down here, and instead Matt got that, and I got Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> I like Ryan Tannehill, <laughs> but yeah, Drew Brees, yeah. Drew Brees is the greatest, and Peyton. Pey- I mean, Peyton's up there too. He gave, yeah. he gave Denver four years of of Super Bowl contention, including one title and two appearances. I just think the fact that with like, say, for example, Manning going to the Broncos or even Brady to the Bucks. It was just adding that one piece. They were that one piece away from making noise. Meanwhile, Breeze took a team that literally did nothing or was like made those like once in a while playoff appearances and made the Saints like a true contender in the NFL. 
Yep. And it's, it's really fun to think about like the what ifs, uh, if Drew Brees didn't have that freak injury on that last play, what if Nick Saban is still in the NFL? What if Alabama doesn't become the big force it is in college because Nick Saban goes away. It's very fun to just contemplate like all the, uh, things that could have happened. And I'm sorry, big rat for bringing that up. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sure it's a uh, salt on the wound. It's uh, it's only something that we get reminded about like every single day. And like last year, some people compared Tua. Tua was often compared to Russell Wilson and Drew Brees stylistically. And that came, and we didn't take Drew Brees because we were worried about the injury. And now Tua has the hip injury. Like it's just, it's like this dark cloud that has hung over the franchise for 15 years. <laughs> yeah. But without a doubt, first ballot Hall of Famer 2026, Canton, Ohio. Is it, Matt, I wanted to ask you, is it true the rumor that he was considering coming back and one more year and the Saints were kind of like, eh, I don't know about this? Um, As far as I know, it's always been Drew Brees is definitely done because uh, about a month, maybe not even a month ago, maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, he did the thing where his contract cap hit went from $25 million to $1 million on the season. And that's pretty much wrote the writing on the wall because there's no way Drew Brees is going to be playing for $1 million, let's be real. Um, so like I alluded, I said in the beginning of the podcast, I, I said like on one of my very first podcast appearances at the beginning of last season, I said this is going to be Drew Brees' last season. Because I feel like that was the whole air in the room. You heard players saying it after the season ended. Oh, Drew Brees, he's going to retire. And he kind of waited until that 15-year anniversary of him signing. He did say that he thought he could go out there and play. But he thought that it was a – he thought he could have gone out there and played if he wanted to. But he said he thought it was time to go home with his family. And I think the injuries played into that as well. Um, the past two seasons, he's been hurt. And he was hurt big time this year from the punctured lung to the 11 broken ribs to the plantar fascia. It was just a culmination of things. And plus, he's about to be on the broadcast booth now. So, um, And, yes, it was the exact day, uh, year to the day, 15 years Um when he decided to retire. So it was uh, definitely that, but yeah, I don't think he was going to come back. Okay. And I I didn't think during the season he would, I I agreed with you when we were on the show, like, Oh yeah, this is his last year. It was just like all that time he took to retire. And like the day makes sense, but the the videos of him working out too. I don't know if that meant it. Oh yeah. That, that, that kind of threw some people off, but uh, I I, I don't know what that was for. And now he can go harass Chris Sims every Sunday night on NBC. Mm-hmm. Fuck Notre Dame. Sorry, I have to get that out there. Every I, I have to do two things on this podcast. I have to bring up the time the Dolphins beat the Patriots in Week 17 of 2019 to cost them the buy, and I have to say fuck Notre Dame. That, that's I also saw the video today, Big Rat, on TikTok of a Miami fan posting the pick six from I think last year's game. Uh, which one? You mean the one in the one in Foxborough or the one in? Yeah, yeah. No, no the U versus Notre Dame. Oh, that, oh, dude! Oh, that was Trajan. No, that was Trajan Bandy. That was back in 2017. Yeah, that one. That one. Yeah. It was Chris Fowler on the call. Like I just saw it today. Just basically a, a U fan thing. Like, oh, happy St. Patrick's Day, and then it's just the Irish getting picked off. And I <laughs> and what's Bantry? Tra- Trajan Bandy. That was the loudest. Bandy. The loudest Hard Rock Stadium has ever been was that play. Yeah, and um, ooh, one note because we haven't really discussed this since Henry, but Chris Sims, quarterback ranking guru. Um, the one thing I will say about 
with this whole thing was Chris Sims has had some stuff before where I believe he had Josh Allen ranked over Lamar Jackson back in 2018, which you know Big Rob would be a fan of. But this year, I don't – like, obviously, Wilson, the Wilson over Lawrence thing was a more surprise. The one more surprising thing for me, and I know Phil and Mac, it's because they're SEC guys, is how high he had Kellen Mond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's probably a day – I'd say day two guy. I think he goes in the second round. Yep. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, Kelly, day two guy. And the Chris Sims thing, look, he does deserve credit, but it should be noted because someone has pointed this out. That 2018 year, he had Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson as like the two highest graded quarterbacks in the class, above Baker, above Darnold, above Rosen. But someone pointed out like three months before his final rankings, he had them rated very differently. Like he, those, that was not like his steady opinion the whole offseason. That was his opinion like the day before the draft. He had different rankings all throughout that spring. So that should be – I like Chris Sims. I'm just saying. Like, it wasn't pure magic. He, um, the only one that I, apparently he did have that you kind of give him credit for was apparently he had Derek, ha- Derek Carr higher than uh, Bortles and Manziel. And he had, he had Herbert higher than Tua last year. But I feel like it's a toss-up, though. Like, even this year, Tua goes out there and plays well. I feel like all Miami fans, that talk's going to go behind unless – Herbert goes on like this crazy like run and like leads the the Chargers to a Super Bowl in their home venue because that's right, folks. This year, for those of you who don't remember, the Super Bowl will be at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Yep. Let's remember, as I said last time I was on the podcast in 2018, everyone thought for sure Baker was the best quarterback of the 2018 class. Everyone thought it wasn't even debatable, and here we are two years later, and he's like third. Yeah, and also too, everyone thought that Josh Rosen was worth a first round pick, and now we know that. <laughs> That experiment failed. Yeah, roughly. I, I also credit I, – I always say that. I At the time, I liked the Steve Wilk hire, but then I realized it more and more. I'm like, yeah, he, he ain't it. To be fair, the poor guy hasn't got the best the best uh, chance at it either, though. But um, I want to address this elephant in the room right here on another note because obviously the Bucs decided to run it back, paying David, paying – Barrett, which I was shocked at that, that that Barrett deal got done. Chris Godwin, obviously, to the franchise tag. Mm-hmm. Do we think that this is going to happen? Do we think that the Bucs will be back in the Super Bowl in uh, February? I mean, I think – Go for no, well, I think it could happen. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I hate to do the cop-out answer. I mean, it could happen, but look, it's tough. Even if that was my past that we're trying to defend, like every, every year I said – like even the Patriots haven't been able to do it uh, – in the last little run that they've had, it's like the Chiefs, if the Chiefs can't do it, like who's going to win back to back? Like, could they get there? Yes. What, like if I had to guess today, do they win back to back? My answer is no, because no one's done it. So what teams, I mean, yes, yeah, someone eventually has to do it, you would think. But until they do, like, I mean, I don't know. Now it's like, I mean, I love Brady, but like, I don't know, man. I mean, and I agree with Dan. Danny's like, nobody's touching Tampa. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. Oh. Tampa, you know, but, I mean, if Rodgers decides – if Rodgers' coach decides to, like, coach worth a damn. <laughs> and then had a wide receiver. Make the case. I hate to say that. That's my boy. Tom Brady's my boy. But the Packers had every chance to win that game. Um, you know, Nobody is touching is a little much, though. Yeah, right, right. Nobody touching. Because I, I think every year people get better, too. And I think the NFC – the Cardinals – I'm telling that they're building a team, and I get that. Like, there's there's different, you know, they're just, you know, you can add players all you want, but like, Steve Kime is the king of March right now. But I think NFC is the proof, like, you guys can all attest with, like, 
there's always this team that comes out in the next year. Like the Rams made it, made a run, made to the Super Bowl, and then never came back. I mean, they're, they're trying to work their way back up now, but like, I, 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 I think that another team doesn't do that this year. Like, I mean, the Bucks essentially did it. Yeah, they did it with Tom Brady, but like, they were able to. I mean, that team came out in, in a sense out of nowhere. I mean, obviously they were not that far off from great, but. It should be noted that I've noticed this on the outside from your Patriots. Like every time Brady won a Super Bowl, like in the last 10 years, the following summer, there was always like this air of invincibility around the Patriots. Like in 2015, you guys started the year 8-0. Remember, you had yeah. like really dominant offense. And there were talks, oh, can this team go 19-0? After to after the 28-3 win over the Falcons, that going into the next offseason, you signed a bunch of guys, you traded for Brandon Cooks, and I remember those same fucking articles out of New England. Are they going to go 19-0? and And then you you lost the opener to the Chiefs. And that team still got to the Super Bowl, but the point stands. And 2018, after you guys won in 2018, and the start of 2019, when you had like that super dominant defense at the start of the year, yeah. and when you guys signed Antonio Brown before it fell apart, just at the time when you had him, there was that, <clears throat> there was that same belief. And I always notice this, like whenever Brady wins the Super Bowl, the next year there's this air. Yeah. yeah. And like I'm I'm seeing it now again with Tampa. Like this team was eleven and five. They lost five games last year. One like, of them to the Bears. <laughs> to the Nick yeah. Foles Bears. The Nick Foles Bears, yes. That wasn't the Nick Bears. Yeah. And to, to a Rams defense that, as Danny pointed out, is also gonna get a lot better next year, too. I mean, I just think these things aren't static from year to year. They are in like the the Bucks are in like the group of contenders that could make the Super Bowl. Sure, they have a good chance to get there, obviously. But it's just like it's going to be like it always is. It's going to be a competitive conference. Yeah, it is exactly. And and I don't think you're going to know until. I mean, look, the Bucks kind of went up and down, and then towards the end of the year, like that's when I I jumped back on, and that's when I say jump back on. But then that's when I said, okay, the Bucks look like the best team in the NFC because they were riding, you know. But I, no one really knows. Like I need to know how, how the season is going to go. But like I said, because it's so hard to – could they get there? Yes. Could they repeat? Could just see how the, how does the game go if if Mahomes has an offensive line? I mean, it's just – there's a lot of – and there's a lot more. We could anal, we've could we overanalyzed the Super Bowl last year like crazy. But I'm just saying, like, there's so many different things, like so many different factors. Yeah, I will I say – Randy, I, I think it was uh, uh, Griff. It wasn't me. I will no, say – No, it's not me. Oh, okay. Somebody was getting called. It wasn't me, though. I will say that I do believe I could see them more easily winning the division this yeah. year than last year, since I do think my Saints are going to take a step down. I think we're probably going to be just judging it based off right now, and it's really early to judge teams because <clears throat> everything isn't built right. I do have the Saints probably going about 9-7 and seven as a wild card team if I had to take a stab at it right now. So, and I think the Bucks could probably be around that 1-2 seed area for uh, – for the division, for the conference, that's just how I kind of see it right now. Because they do have a complete team, I will say, from top to bottom. And uh, they, they look hard to beat, but we'll just have to see how it goes. Because a lot can change from now until right. when the season started. And a lot can change within the season. So it's just a lot of factors going into right now. But, of course, everyone's going to be riding the high that Big Rat's talking about. Um, I don't really quite see them as invincible, as some people might say, as Big Rat was alluding to. But I, as of right now, I'd probably have them as the favorites coming out of the NFC. But that's kind of an easy answer. I would probably. It's say. the same thing with the Chiefs. I mean, yeah, Matt. It's the same thing you could say on the other side with the Chiefs. The easy answer for the AFC is that the Chiefs figure it out, and 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 I mean, they still make it to the Super Bowl again. So I mean, that's 
Um, the thing I would say, and Danny coincidentally just said top three free agent signings, so we can go and answer that. But uh, I think the Chiefs signing uh, – uh, God, what was like huge. They went after – not only did they like, okay, let's fix off the line. They smashed it. They're like, let's we're going to completely fix off the line. Uh, uh, they also got somebody else. God, I can't think of who else they got. Wait, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about Tampa or are we talking about Kansas City? The Chiefs get Kansas Kyle City. Yeah, they got Kyle Long. Yeah, which Kyle Long's going there for a chance for a ring. I think it's if he if they. I think this is just a one and done thing for him. But yeah, but, I mean the Chiefs are fixing right now. They are fixing the issue that clearly lost them the Super Bowl. So I, I mean, I got to give props where it's due, and I think that that's they, a good thing. They should also have uh, uh, Duvernay Tardif back, who obviously opted out to stay up here and uh, take care of COVID. Obviously, he has his medical medical degree. The Bucks. I, the last thing on the Bucks is they also had like really good injury luck last year. Their big injury was Vita Vea, but he came back. He came yeah. back and maybe tipped the balance against the Packers and and in the Super Bowl too. Um, especially against the Packers, I do think his presence made a big difference. So that was that and OJ Howard were their only two big injuries, and Vita Vea ended up coming back. If if you know like an Ali Marpet, if if someone like Ali Marpet were to be out for the year. Like that would really fuck them over because the games that Ali Marpet didn't play, Brady was a disaster because you know he's very crucial to that interior of the offensive line, as you guys yeah. know. No, good point. Yeah, like yes. so we'll see how the injury looks. Switch, switch the deal, and even though the Kansas City defense is not didn't look as physical as uh, the Bucks defense, take give him an offensive line and take two of two of the starters from the Bucks away from them. That's a different game. I think most people would agree. So there you go. I mean, that's Anything can happen. Like that's what I'm just showing that as like like going up, picking back on on the kid is basically I call him the kid. Godly, I haven't said that in a long time. <laughs> hey, Brandon, Brandon and Chase still call me kid. Yeah, I think that's I don't know why it comes out every once in a while. I never really called you that, but that's something I don't know. But anyways, like Big Rat said, you know, so I think that any, in, injuries are key, and you can't predict injuries. You can only predict what you think is going to happen uh, ahead of the you know without injuries obviously but like but, but very good point about big rat saying that you know they they dodged the injury bullet for the most part uh the chiefs did not but the chiefs still got there so um but i think the afc got is getting better um and the nfc's kind of getting worse <laughs> if, uh, maybe not all the way there, there's a few things i just want to say quickly one of them is that going back to the patrick peterson signing he did play his best football when he was wearing purple and gold so just something to watch out for um <laughs> I'm now going to wrap in because I want to get your guys' opinion on this. So right here we have Danny asking for top three free agent signings and then Randy saying the Bills have a good chance because one of my favorite teams for signings, and this pains me to say, but the fact that the Buffalo Bills signed Matt Milano at a hometown discount and they managed to keep John Feliciano and Daryl Williams together, they kept that offensive line together. Buffalo's going to be back in that conversation next year for potentially going to the Super Bowl. And they added Emmanuel Sanders. Exactly, who I think is a lot – who's going to be better than John Brown. And they kept and they kept uh, Ryan Dable when he was supposed to get a head coaching job. It's like yeah. every step of the way, they just keep getting more and more continuity. So, yeah, no, they'll be, they'll be right in the thick of it. Uh, yeah, I, I, got, I got real no direct criticism to say to them because my Dolphins are currently getting worse, not better. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on tilt a little bit, um, on them today. So I won't be like my usual optimistic self with them. Uh, but yes, maybe the Patriots with some of the moves they made can like narrow the gap a little bit, but yeah, the bills are, are going to be in good shape because they didn't, they didn't have a mass exodus of talent. Well, yeah. And I think, I think the bills are, I mean, they're, they've made steps 
already. So you would just make it would just makes sense to make the next step, right? Whereas New England, there's still question marks. As much as I love the offseason we've had so far, and I'm very optimistic, I, I, um, I still think the Bills, I mean, they just, they're making that extra step to where New England would have to, like, basically try to catch them. Um, so, I mean, it could happen. Yeah. I mean, and Buffalo, for, right the now, the, the, Bills are the, the Bills are the top of the AFC East. It's just up to somebody to uh, step it up. And also, Zoro makes a great point right here. Um I think Gabriel Davis can be – I think Edel, – um, I was going to say Edelman. That's just a force of habit. Uh, I think Sanders is going to be their slot guy. I think Gabriel Davis can come in and be a really good wide receiver too for the Buffalo Bills. And they also have Isaiah McKenzie. It's just my only thing with them, they got to get a solid running back. Singletary and Moss I don't think are what you need to get to a championship. You need someone who's going to come in there and just run the ball. That, that, that's my only knock on the Bills. Randy, yeah. what do the Falcons do? They lose. That's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the other reason, too, why I think back to my trade earlier from the Falcons is because they have obviously Matt knows Terry Fontenat, new GM coming from New Orleans over to uh, what's it called? The Falcons. They have, yeah, the Falcons. That's why I think that, you know what, Bill may be able to call him and maybe take advantage of it because he is a first time GM. That's all. I think if Dimitrov was still with Atlanta, I can't see Atlanta moving out. The other thing, too, is, is that, um, what was I going to say? If Atlanta falls in love with Panay Suel. Because Sewell's like a generational tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing, I was going to look like, let's see here. Um, Buffalo's cap space isn't that big. Uh, Carson feels like a bill. We'll see with Chris Carson, but I mean, like, if they went out and got on the drive, like a Najee Harris or like a Travis Etienne, someone like that who can just oh, run God, the ball. No, you know what I mean? The Buffalo needs, I think, that no, kind no, of no, like no. bell cow running back. Let yeah. me say, I'll say this. I've said this to the death of me, and it keeps getting proven even more when you see him since pro day. He like ran a four four. Travis Etienne is the best running back in that draft. Yeah, and I will die on that sword, and I am a Gamecock fan, not a Clemson fan. Travis Etienne is the guy to get. Najee Harris, no knocking, not knocking him. Not saying it's a great set number two option, but that's the team that steals because I feel like he's not going to go that high. Travis Etienne, whoever gets him, is going to be. Uh, that's going to be one of uh, the best rookies, uh, rookie running backs. I stand by that. Well, depending on where he goes, obviously. But. Yeah, it really depends on where these guys yeah. go because it, it really matters about opportunity. Who, what other running backs they have in the room with them because they get thrown into a committee situation. Um, I think right now, pretty much everyone has Harris over ATN, but we'll just have to see how it goes. And he could go to somewhere that will utilize him to his fullest ability. I know some people comp him to like a guy who could be like an Alvin Kamara type guy. And I mean, that would be a great uh, outcome for him, but we'll we'll just have to see where these guys go because that's pretty much a lot of it is landing spot for these guys. Just seeing the fit, the coaching and that, that that plays the huge factor into it. Um, The other thing I'm going to point out too, is I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but the there was the running back who went absolutely buck wild against the Miami Hurricanes earlier this year. Um, the North Carolina kid. I'm trying to remember his Williams. name. Last name Williams. Oh, no. it, was, it was it was both of them. It was Javante Williams and Michael yeah. Carter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think Javante. Is it Javante? Which two. one's out for the draft? I think it's. They're I, both. I wanna, both. They both are. They're both. Yeah, yeah. They're both. both. But one of them's gonna go. One of them's gonna be a great day two pickup. Like a lot of people got to remember that Alvin Kamara was a. Um, well, Alan Kamara was, a, I think, a second or a third round pick. Third. 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 Um, as Phil yawns, uh, 
Zoro saying since he needs Sewell, that is not that's saying uh, that's obvious facts. But Cincinnati mm-hmm. actually Riley Reef is having a visit with them. Uh, Riley Reef, not Riley Reed, you perverts. Um, <laughs> I had to. I'm <laughs> no sorry. Comment. No comment. Um, and the next one right here, I want to address because you know how Danny said earlier top three um, signing or top three free agent signings. One of mine is John Johnson the third going from the Rams to the Browns. He was obviously a cap casualty for the Rams. The Browns are quietly making moves. Andrew Barry is doing a fantastic job in Cleveland. Yeah, I don't I don't know about the Browns, man. I I think I'm not knocking what they were able to do last year, but the Browns couldn't beat a non-Mahomes team down the stretch. Their like, defense was depleted though. I don't I I I get that, but I still have question marks for for the Browns, man. Like they beat a Steelers team that they knew that was mocking them. Oh, you're just the Browns. Like that was a very ego, like we got to do this for us kind of kind of win. So I'm really I'm I'm not negative on the Browns. I just I don't know. I think they had the right. Like I just there's some question marks there. Which maybe they fill those needs. We'll see. Um, but maybe they impressed me. I don't know. I just with the Browns, I'm not I'm not that impressed with how they finished the year. Obviously, big for them. I mean, they haven't done anything in the, <laughs> in the in this last century. I wouldn't be shocked if they win the North. To be honest, they could. I I I I think I think I'm gonna. They're they're a smartly run team. I know I dinged on them a lot last year, but I do think they're smart and well managed. And I do think the Johnson contract was really good value for them. Um, so they're gonna be better. They're definitely gonna be better. The Ravens. It should be noted. I feel like the Ra- the Ravens, it's kind of like the Peyton Manning level Colts, where like because they haven't yet like won a Super Bowl, like the standard for them is so high. They go to the divisional round every year. They make the playoffs every year. Lamar Jackson as a st- as a starter is thirty one and nine in his career. Like when they play bad teams, they never lose. They never ever lose to a bad team. They always destroy them. So I, I tend to give them like a big benefit of the doubt until like. They take steps back, and they had a lot of bad luck last year. Well, you can I, make a you can make a case case they did lose to a bad team. They well, lost to us. We were oh. seven and nine. <laughs> no, I mean like no, come on. You I know what you're talking about. Team. I know I was just making. Also, but it should be noted last year they had no no good luck in the world. They lost a lot of offensive linemen. They lost Nick Boyle. They lost a few guys on defense. Like they had a ton of bad luck, and they still made it to the divisional round. So. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise. But the Browns are definitely a contender, and they definitely got a lot better. There's no doubt about that. They got better with the Johnson contract. So, for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And even, too, with um, – what was I going to say? With Baltimore, too, they have the, even the tricky options. Because Lamar is actually not represented by agent. He's self-represented. So, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of deal they offer him. Because, obviously, there's the deadline for fifth-year options. I think it's like May – sometime in May. It's it's after the draft, but like, if I had to guess, I say Baker gets picked. Baker's fourth and fifth year gets picked up just as a break glass in case of emergency kind of thing. Lamar, I don't know, but I do think Josh Allen's going to get paid just based off the one year. But at the same mm-hmm. time, too, like what happened with the Rams and the Eagles, you got to be careful with what you wish for. I'm not saying Allen's going to regress. It's just kind of like proceed with caution, if you will. I agree with Danny too. They need to. They definitely need to go grab a uh, receiver for Lamar. Like that's definitely not, a wide receiver too. I don't know why they have, unless they're really planning on drafting one. Why they haven't tried to get anybody? Um, maybe they just haven't had the opportunity because everyone else is grabbing them. But um, I'm really. I sure. like Rondale more for them from <laughs> Purdue. Maybe maybe they go after Juju. Maybe I don't know. I doubt it. But 
I doubt that. It, it should be noted we shouldn't rush for all these teams, and this is true of my team. And I'm, I'm admittedly getting impatient, so I need to remind this to me as a fan as well. For all these teams, they're going to draft receivers in the first round, several yeah. of them. Yeah. So we should like be mindful of that when we like look at That's these rosters as now. It's Very deep. It's deep, just like it was last year. It's really deep at wide receiver. Very true. Uh, but, I mean, the, the Johnson one is up there for my favorite. Uh, in terms of, like, other value signings, I'm not so sure. I mean – I mean, I, I liked the Johnny Smith contract a lot at the time, uh, personally. The uh, Carl Lawson one's a good contract. That's probably – the Carl Lawson one is probably going to be one of the most impactful in terms of top three impact. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it's a value signing because, you know, you you paid a lot of money to do it. But that, that one I would say because it just fixes a fundament, fundamental flaw in the Jets that has existed for so long. So Since John Abraham or Abram. Yeah, the, the classic quote that every Jets fan has been saying in their nightmares. <laughs> um, I'm just looking at some stuff right here. Uh, Browns wide receiver Rashard Higgins is returning to the team on a one-year deal. And we have a New York Giants signing of a defensive edge. I'm, I'm going to butcher this name so hard. Uh, I felt he I, – I, uh, <laughs> oh, me, but I, I'm not even going to pronounce it. The Giants signed a def- the Giants signed a defensive uh, Yeah, two years, one point, oh, one year, two point five million. Um, yeah, no, the, the Carl Lawson's like we said, it's great just because it's a need. Uh, Johnu Smith is another one you could say because of need because he was a splash. Uh, John Johnson also too. One I like because this team needed it is. The Browns, the reason why I'm saying they're quietly doing all these good moves, I like the Tack McKinley signing for the Cleveland Browns. They need someone off the other side of the edge who can take pressure off of uh, Miles Garrett. Do the Patriots need more linebackers? I mean, as long as Hightower's coming back, well, I think we're all right. I think Uche looks, is doing really well or did really well in his rookie year. And I think uh, – Chase Winovich is coming along strong. So I think with Hightower back, we'd be fine. I don't think we need another one. Um, just, uh, just to read up the linebacker, linebacker depth, it's Jawan Bentley, Therese Hall, Dante Hightower, Anefri Jennings, Brandon King, uh, Kasha Maluia, uh, Michael Panicki, and then Josh Uche. I think Winovich is classified as defensive edge. Um this is another one. Danny nailed this one. Hassan Reddick, I was shocked when he went to – not only that he went to the Carolina Panthers, but the money that he took. I think it's like $8 million for one year. It's kind of a prove-it deal. The the Reddick, the Reddick contract is 100%. Oh, for sure. Um, the other one I like, too, just because obviously it helps the team get better, like we were talking about earlier, the Rodney Hudson to Arizona because that fills a need and that gets Kyler Murray some help protection-wise because Kyler needs – Kyler needs it. And um, what was the thing I was going to say? Matt, one reason why I think that Winston can have some success that he did not have in uh, Tampa was his all-line in Tampa was horrible in 2019. I think he was like the fourth most sacked quarterback. The Saints yeah. have a good offensive line, especially, too. I want to see what Cesar Ruiz looks like in his second year. Ramchak. Um, Teron Armstead. It's just going to be interesting to see what happens. I believe Nick Easton got was a cap casualty, so we'll see how they fill in the holes in there. But I – I feel like with a good offensive line, Winston will have uh, places to be successful. Yeah, I agree. I believe that. Um, I, I believe that the O line is going to help them, and I think Jameis did take 
did, did see an uptick in his interceptions because you do see a lot of guys in a, a Bruce Arian system throw more interceptions typically. So I think it could have hurt his value there a little bit. Um, as far as helping Jameis with the O-line, yeah, I do like our O-line, especially the bookend tackles. Um, I like Eric McCoy. I do have questions on our guard play. We did release Nick Easton, of course. Um, I guess they're hoping that um, maybe they're going to go back to their original plan of wanting Cesar Ruiz to play center and move McCoy to guard because that's what originally they wanted to do, but because of the COVID season and it, no preseason being impacted and uh, not being able to get Ruiz the proper snaps at center um and mccoy the proper snaps at guard they weren't able to really go through that route so it, I, i'm worried about the interior o-line just i need to see it do well because that was definitely a weakness on the o-line but as far as uh designing it for Jameis, i mean if anyone's gonna fix him it's gotta be sean payton um and I, I i gotta give him a year i gotta just see if it's gonna work out and if it works out maybe he's the guy for a while and he's only 27 so that even makes it better um a young guy that could come in and maybe we get another quarterback through free agency and that'd be a steal in the end. Um, but we'll just have to see how it plays out. My breaking news. Uh, this is also why I told Danny, we never overreact in the moment because more moves can come. The Patriots officially bringing back Kyle Van Noy. Let's go. Let's go. Danny's criticism of the Judon contract was, why do that when you could just have Van Noy come in again? And my Let's argument go. was, oh, Van Noy. Let's go. KVN, baby. <laughs> I got to respond to Danny's comment real quick. There's right. no way we're trading Lattimore after we cut Janoris Jenkins. He's going to get a new contract. <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. He's getting a new contract. But Zora, I'm sorry, Zora. Like, thanks for commenting a lot in our videos and stuff, but I couldn't disagree more. Hightower is a game changer on that defense and it's been proven left and right. I don't have to, I don't know how many times I get, it's got to be proven for people to say that. I, nah, not a change. One of the biggest plays in Patriots history was yeah. caused by Dante Hightower. I will live and die. Say yes, the biggest I play I get of that, that Super Bowl of that comeback was that strip sack in the fourth quarter. Yeah. he's, he's And look at the Eagles Super Bowl without Hightower. Couldn't stop a nosebleed. So I'm just saying it's a different breed. It's not the same team without him. I'll miss David Andrews though, wherever he ends up. Uh yeah, speaking David. of centers though, the Corey Lindsley signing was great for the Chargers, but stupid for the Packers. Probably he's the best center. Like I love David Andrews. Corey Lindsley is the best center in the NFL right now. And that is they got him and then someone from Pittsburgh, like, man, the Chargers. I'm there. I'm not saying the Chargers are going to be great, but they're going to be a very exciting team. Like they're going to be one of those teams. I think everyone's going to be high on going into the regular season. Mm -hmm. Building that O line is very important. You got to protect your quarterback, especially when they're that young. I mean, you just saw what happened with Joe Burrow. So the Bengals probably definitely want to prevent that themselves, and the Chargers are trying to prevent that now. Um, just got to keep the guy upright. Let him have time in the pocket to distribute it to his uh stacked uh well not as stacked now but his pretty good offense yep yep um what else was he gonna say um but no for the most part like the, the, that's why i love stuff like this like look look at all the breaking news like obviously with curtis Samuel right before air uh we had the gabe jackson trade we had a couple other moves i'm trying to remember uh about oh uh, yeah patrick peterson and now we got this with kyle van noy uh, I, I just love it. Like it always, always goes my way because Danny can attest to this. Him and I recorded a podcast, and then an hour later, the Jets decided to hire Robert Sala. Hmm. Uh, uh, 
I find it funny that they were asking if the Patriots need more linebackers, and then right then yeah, they signed yeah. Kyle Van Noy. Thank you for that, uh, Zora. I'll give you that because at least you uh, you uh, allowed that, and you just it's like you knew you just knew Kyle Van Noy was coming back. So that's good. That's huge. I'm hyped. I'm, if I'm I remember, since we're talking about Kyle Van Noy, I'll respond to Danny. That yeah, Danny. So on Van Noy, the Yes, like they cut him. He was making a lot of money, and uh, they decided they cut him, and then they traded Shaq Lawson for uh, Benardrick McKinney. And McKinney is on a three-year deal, only making $8 million a year, and he's going to be their inside linebacker. He'll replace what Alandon Roberts was doing for them. And so Alandon Roberts was making no money last year. Kyle Van Noy was making big money. And Brian Flores, who's loved McKinney for years, like viewed this as an opportunity to get McKinney on a three-year deal, $8 million a year. Um, to be an impact linebacker and paying that contract and Kyle Van Noy's contract together. And they're going to extend Jerome Baker and give him probably $10 million a year. That's a lot of money for the linebackers position in today's era of football. And Kyle Van Noy is the oldest of those three. So I do think it makes sense to cut him. However, to Danny's point, if they cut him and don't use the excess savings on a new pass rusher or on a new receiver, it does kind of seem like a waste because yes, it is super expensive to pay three linebackers over $10 million a year, but it's better to do that than to pay too big money and then not use the $10 million in savings elsewhere. So I think it's fine for them to cut Van Noy given the cap situation of their other linebackers, but they do need to like actually use those savings somewhere. Otherwise it does seem kind of pointless. Um, no, I completely agree. And also I did like, that's another thing I was going to say. I did like the Benardrick McKinney trade for the Miami Dolphins. I feel like he's going to be, has a chance to be better than Shaq Lawson. And like you said, Brian Brian Flores, I've said this for a while, and I've said this to you many times, uh, Big Rat, where like Belichick, I think Flores is going to go out there and get the guys that he wants. That's why you saw stuff like uh, Adam Butler going to Miami. That's why they're in on David Andrews. Like, like Brian Flores is going to be Brian Flores, but this is the Belichick mannerisms. Like he's doing the Belichick way, but he's putting his little Flores spice on it, if you will. Yeah, that's the thing. He's not exactly copying him, but you do see the there is the ruthlessness. The Kyle Van Noy was like heartbroken that we cut him. Like, and he and Flores are very close. He didn't see it coming. There is that ruthlessness to it. Like the Dolphins are gonna. There's there's no one in the Dolphins roster over the age of thirty. I, I, that, like it's it's crazy. Like they have like very strict rules about age nowadays. But so Flores is copying the Belichick ruthlessness, but they're not the same people. They're different guys. And for, to Danny's comment, uh, Brian Flores has loved, loved Jadavian Clowney. In 2019, they almost gave Jadavian Clowney $16 million a year. When the Dolphins were in a full rebuild, they were going to give him $16 million a year because they really, really wanted him. So don't, don't be surprised if that happens on a cheap contract. Exactly. Like you, and like you said, too, especially in this kind of year where, you know what, it's uh, everyone's a little cash-strapped, so you have to make those unfortunate moves. It's one of those things where it's like, you don't like to do it, but you you got to do it because you got to save money wherever you can. We saw that with many NFL teams. And the, the Dolphins have two first round picks and two second round picks this year. Like they're gonna be, they're gonna bring in four young guys from the first two rounds that are gonna play heavy minutes. So mm-hmm. both from a cap perspective, because those are more expensive than usual rookies, but also from a roster spot perspective, it's like you know that those kind of limit them to spend all out when they got four guys who are gonna come in and play heavy minutes for them for their needs. You could keep uh, Gregory Rousseau at that position at 18 as well. I think there's a very good chance that he's there. Very possible. 
him, Jalen Phillips. There's there's a lot of possibilities I think Miami can go with at that 18th pick or even in the second round too. Like, But I feel like in the second round, you guys can still go get a receiver. I think at 18, though, it should be a defensive lineman. Yeah, uh, it's either – 18 will either be a defensive lineman or a running back specifically if it's Najee Harris. If it's not Najee Harris, I think they're going to just decide to wait. But if it is Najee Harris, that um, that might be one they pull the trigger on even at 18 because of his familiarity with Tua and all that stuff. And, uh, Zoro, we addressed this earlier. Actually, I'm just seeing your comment. Who is the Miami backup quarterback? They just signed Jacoby Brissett to a one-year $7 million deal. Um, quickly going just to flip over to draft topics, Matt, at 28, what do you want the Saints to do? Because, like, I can see Asante Samuel Jr. going there, a corner, mm-hmm. or with Janoris Jacobs gone, or is there another position of need, like maybe get a guard, like just help that interior guard play? I don't know if he will fall to us, but I'd really like to have J.C. Horn, just to shout out Joe Horn, uh, have his son on the team. That'd be great to see, having J.C. Horn. Because um, we definitely oh, do need corn. We definitely do need shout corner out. help with Janoris Jenkins gone. I'm sorry, what was that? I was going to say shout out Phil's uh, South Carolina Gamecocks on that one. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, but we definitely have holes to fill. Um, J.C. Horn would be my guy. Asante Samuel Jr., like you said, he'd be a guy I'd like to see. Um, as Zoro said, Zayvon Collins, he's a guy I've been looking at because uh, we cut Quan, so we need another linebacker. Um, we could go edge rusher. There's, there's a lot of things we could go. I, I would honestly just want them to stick to the best player available on their board. Um, as long as it's a position of need. So as long as it's cornerback linebacker edge, maybe wide receiver, but I'd probably rather have cornerback linebacker or edge. Um, but JC Horner be the guy I'd really want to see personally. I could see that. Like I said, I did my mock draft earlier. I actually had Horn going to the Jets with their second pick of the uh, first round. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. And for those of you wondering, doing a mock draft is not easy. You gotta like really look and like give like the reasons. Like it's really hard to like bullshit basically. Like where you have to come up with a reason because like I like I know the prospects, but I'm just a guy with a computer who's thinking, hey, here's who I think is gonna go here and why. And I loaded up, like I said earlier, Pro Football Focus's mock draft simulator is a great tool. I recommend everybody using it. Uh, also, too, I like this one right here, Kadarius Tony, because here's the thing, though, Danny. I feel like Kadarius Tony could fall the day two, and this wide receiver class, though, even it's lo- it's loaded to where you're going to get guys all over. Like, there's going to be guys on day one, day two, and day three. And I want to put something up right here because these answers are the same. It's simple: offensive linemen. Both teams need it. Vegas clearly needs it because we don't know what Gruden's doing there. I know uh, Mayock's the GM, but let's be honest, it, it's Gruden's team. Yeah, I know there's not a lot of offensive linemen that are kind of being said that could definitely go in the first round. And I, I know there's just uh, – from listening to a couple of mock drafts that people have done, there's just so many, and so many teams need them. So you could definitely see an influx of tackles and guards maybe even taken in the first yeah, exactly. Like you got guys like Rashawn Slater. Obviously, mm-hmm. Sewell's going top ten, so I'm not going to say him. Yeah. But like Rashawn Slater from Northwestern, Darisaw. But even too, you fall down to the other days. There's like Landon Dickerson, Creed Humphrey. There's a, a lot of plethora of offensive linemen to go. And I think, uh, yeah. But here's the other thing too: the Seattle pick's going to be a good one for Danny because guess who has a Seattle first rounder? The Jets. <laughs> not a knock on Danny. I'm just saying, like, that's where I think. And then. Um, Phil, for 
uh, I was going to say, Creed Humphrey is going to be a beast. It's uh, He was actually a high school wrestler, fun fact. Uh, shout out Oklahoma on that one. Uh, trying to figure out what he means by BPA. But um, what was I going to say? But no, for the most part, like, I've been saying this for a while, but podcasts like this are what I'm excited about the post about the offseason. Like, look, the new league year started, but yet we're still five months away from the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, football is a year-round sport, man. Exactly. Like, it, it takes no days off, literally. Like, the only time you can see some days off are probably, I'd say, after the draft. Like, in May, it gets kind of lackadaisical. But then, for the most part, it's pretty much go, go, go. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. So I think on that note, guys, I think we covered as much as we could. Oh, Big Right, were you going to say something? Well, no, I was going to say, no days off, especially when, like, a player like Deshaun Watson can get traded, like, any day now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just adds so much drama to every single day of the calendar. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of offensive linemen, though, I just want to say quickly before, because I think we're going to wrap up soon, the San Francisco 49ers quietly have made some pretty good moves this offseason to kind of keep their team intact. Obviously, Trent Williams got paid. Kyle Juszczyk, who fits well into that uh, Kyle Shan- uh, fits into that Shanahan scheme very well. Alex and then also Mack. Alex Alex Mack quietly yeah. going over back to his uh, home because uh, obviously he was a Cal Berkeley guy. So I honestly think if San Francisco can stay healthy next year, they're going to right going to be in that conversation with like man. The more I think about it, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if the Seahawks are fourth in the NFC West. I don't think they'll be, but it wouldn't shock me. That division's stacked. That'd be crazy. And all, I mean, there's all this smoke about like uh, Russell Wilson in Seattle. The last year, never. I mean, I know Russ is like you would think Russ is too talented to be on a bad team. You could have said that about Deshaun Watson though last year too. And I don't know. It's just like when it ends, it doesn't end well. Like usually when like there's this divorce that leads to the quarterback getting traded in the off season. Usually I don't know. There's like some cluster along the way. So it wouldn't surprise me if they like go nine and seven, miss the playoffs, and that's what finally does it for the Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll era. I think it's – I think with Russell Wilson, I think he's there this year. I think it's 2000 – like, I think if this year, like, there's nothing – like, they don't make it to a conference championship, then I think you start to see more smoke come about him actually getting dealt. And the – yeah, the Niners, I mean, Nick Nick Bosa didn't play all year. Uh, George Kittle was out for the majority of the year. Obviously, Jimmy was out for the majority of the year. It's like – yeah, they they can they were a lot better than the record were. Losing losing Salah might be important. I think it is worth saying that. But and Michael Lafleur. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, no, I think they're they're candidates to bounce back. And if they if they get Watson, I'm I'm, I'm putting them over the Bucks. Like if, if they can get him, but that's a big oh, a healthy Niners team with Watson. Oh, I'm I'm 100 behind you, Will. Now, but that obviously that's a big if, but still, obviously, big, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, that's a healthy. Yeah, nah, man, that team was that team was scary when they were good. They should mm-hmm. they were really close to beating the Chiefs. I there's mean, another. There's two other players that I want to add in on who I could see making bigger impacts. One was injury, and one because he was a rookie. But both are Phil boys, uh, Kinlaw from South Carolina. Javon. And also, too, Debo Samuel was hurt for most of the year. He had a stellar rookie year. But when he was when Samuel was healthy in 2020, he was making plays for the Niners. Like we saw it in that Rams game on Sunday Night Football where that not, that was a healthy Niners team, that team, and then the team that kicked the Patriots' ass. So we get bad Niners, they're going a far way in the NFC. Yep. Yep. <sighs> But yeah, no, I um, uh, let's see, Ayuk too. That's another player, Brandon Ayuk. I think is due for a break, uh, due for a good year as well. Him with Samuel, 
it's a good combo. And then also to George Kittle, hopefully Raheem Mostert's healthy. So that's another player too. Like, look, it's all these players. Oh, wasn't healthy. Wasn't healthy. Um, but anyway, guys, I think that's going to do it. Cause we're, I think we're just out of stuff to talk about, but the more the stuff breaks, the more we'll talk about it. Matt, big rat, Phil, thank you very much. Unfortunately, Danny was on the IR, but we'll get him back on here. <laughs> get well soon, Danny. You gotta be, you gotta be a hundred percent when you're going at us, son. Come on. Get well, well, soon. Get well Danny. And thanks guys. This was fun. Yeah, for sure. No problem. It was a lot right. of fun, guys. And unlike the Christmas episode, when I wanted it to be episode 50, but it was episode 49, today is actually my 75th episode. So the Road to 100s, Road to 100s going to be here a lot soon. It's going to be mm-hmm. here soon. And I think I have to do another tweet where I basically list who the most, uh, who's been on the show the most, but I know you guys definitely are in the top five. Um, so like I said, guys, that's going to do it for episode 75 of YWC Football Talk. Thank you to everybody who joined the live stream, gave questions. Randy, Danny, yeah. and I believe I'm just going to say the guy's name again. Yeah. Zoro. Yeah. Zoro. Yeah, yeah Zoro 73. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Oh, awesome. Um, awesome. I just love to see the involvement online. But anyway, guys, if you're listening to this on podcast, if you're listening to this, uh, if you're watching this back on YouTube, or if you join the live stream, thank you very much, guys. Road 100 continues, and – like we said, this this NFL is just a never ending train, and you know what, Phil? I'm gonna I gotta flex too. Got to got to throw it out there. Come on now, throw it out there. We're exactly. Um, Go boys. The train's <laughs> never stopping, and we'll see you guys soon as the news keeps on breaking, guys. I'll be back next week with a couple episodes, so I'll see you guys later. But like I said, thank you very much for listening hey, to episode man. 75 of YWC Football Talk. Damn Good night, everyone. We're going, Dan. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.